Doses. Your host Amanda Seals here. We just celebrated Juneteenth, and so this episode is going to give you some more information about this uh, this day that America has so quickly co-opted into, like this um, this Black People's Independence Day. And I will tell you, I was almost on that road, and I took a couple steps down that road, and was like, "Yeah, this is like our Independence Day." And then I have since. Uh, reverted back to my original stance, which is that this is really just uh, a day that exists in one way for black people and in another way for America. Um, and so I will speak more to that. But before we get into that, I want to let y'all know that the Black Outside Again tour is going down. Amanda steals me, yours truly, in your city. Oh, my God. And let me tell you, for all of my Small Doses fans, we are doing a special Small Doses Live at the Kennedy Center in D.C. If you are sitting in your car right now, if you are at home, if you are somewhere listening to this and you want to see it in real time, baby, it's happening for you in Washington, D.C. on July 23rd. So get your tickets. And you know what? There's two other shows happening. We got Smart, Funny, and Black Live happening the day before. And I've got Stand Up, An Evening with Amanda Seals, happening the same evening uh, as Small Doses Live, which is on July 23rd. So get your tickets. This is not something that happens all the time. So you want to get into it while it is happening. All right? All right. Now, Speaking of something that is happening, this was Juneteenth weekend. Juneteenth, of course, recently has come into the American scope as a day of celebration for the emancipation of black people, which which is simply just not the full story. Uh, you know, upon the brutal murder of George Floyd and the uprisings that came into the streets in June 2020, the call to action from those who were putting their bodies on the line in the streets was to have actual real policies that protect folks against police brutality, that no longer protect police from getting away with police brutality. We were asking for actual change within the rankings of corporations that continuously put black people in positions to, to fulfill like a DEI quota, but not to actually change and shift perspective amongst leadership roles. Uh, we were also asking for there to be an American consciousness raising moment around how black people are treated in this country, how black people are um, discriminated against, how black people are oppressed, et cetera, et cetera. And none of those things took place. Instead, what we got was, well, let's give you all Juneteenth, a day that has been largely celebrated amongst the people of Galveston, Texas, and that has been made aware of by, by black folks across the nation, but ultimately has not been a shared black holiday for reasons that, of course, always connect back to white supremacy and the failure to truly educate black people and the American uh, populace on the history of the ways in which black people have been mistreated in this country. And that is really what Juneteenth speaks to. You know, there's there's um, 
there's this pacification that happens when this was put in place and it was a federal holiday and it means that you don't necessarily get the day off. You also don't necessarily get paid. Like we've seen different companies and we've seen different counties and states and cities uh, start to implement that, but it's definitely by no means a federal law that, you know, everybody has to get this day off and get paid. And of course, we have not seen true education around what this day is actually celebrating. If you are somebody who doesn't know what Juneteenth is and you start seeing Juneteenth everywhere, you literally just think, oh, that's the black people's day. That's it. That's the black people's day. Uh, there's a, there is a um, group on TikTok called The Menaces and they interview people at Brigham Young University. They're black students. They're the few black students at Brigham Young University and they go around asking their white Sometimes um, it's people that are not white, but for the most part, I mean, bring them young. For the most part, it's white people. And they're asking them questions about black history. They're also asking them questions around social justice, et cetera. And so they had asked people, do you know what Juneteenth is? And just to see how many people not only had no idea, but then would speak like very confidently. Like one guy was like, Juneteenth is a holiday that takes place on June uh, 19th. And it is in celebration and support of the LGBTQIA plus community. Nope, that's not. This is not a Pride Month-associated day. Juneteenth is a day that celebrates, and I don't even like the word celebrate. Juneteenth is a day that acknowledges the day when slaves in Galveston, Texas, were informed that the Emancipation Proclamation had come down and that they were free from bondage. And the reason why it's specifically Juneteenth and specifically Galveston, Texas is because those people uh, were still in chains and the Emancipation Proclamation had been signed. And the rest of the nation, we had seen black people be released from bondage based on the Emancipation Proclamation. I just feel like we really fail to truly, truly acknowledge the reality that black people were absolutely enslaved and we have seen the effort that is consistently being put forth to um to pacify folks from speaking about that to to generalize that scenario right people talk about slavery and they speak about it in such grand terms there's always this monster i feel like it's, it's seen as this like thing in the sky you know like it's so long ago so you get that narrative but i think that there's also just the fact of the matter that people don't realize that slavery was about real, actual people. Human beings being tortured every single day by literate, informed, monetarily stable individuals who, by the way, also considered themselves in many cases to be upstanding Christians. And the fact that those people felt empowered and they felt insured and they felt protected by their God to torture not just adults, children, simply because of the color of their skin. They don't want to talk about this in school because when you really get to the brass tacks of the reality of that, you start to then have to do a reverse engineering about, well, how, what kind of people do that? 
When you watch the movie Schindler's List and you see the little girl in the red coat and she's moving throughout, I believe it's the Warsaw Ghetto, but if it's not the Warsaw Ghetto, it is a a, a ghetto that was created in Poland to house Jewish people until they were sent to internment camps and gas chambers. And there's a scene where they are raiding the ghetto and this little girl has on a red coat and it's a black and white film, but they've colored her red coat and she's moving throughout the scene um, trying to find safety. And what that scene does for you is that you've been watching this movie and you've been able to like watch it for the certain arm's length distance of like, wow, it's crazy what they're doing to these people, but I'm watching a movie. But once Spielberg put in the little child with the red coat, now this is an individual and you're watching this individual's plight. And that feels way more personal and real than the black and white film you've been watching this whole time. Slavery is the black and white film that we've been watching this whole time without identifying the individuals in the red coats. And so when we come with a, a, a day that the federal government has decided is Juneteenth, it's this day of celebration, to me it fails to acknowledge that we're actually celebrating a freedom from torture and that they are presuming to say that we should celebrate that with the people who are descendants of the people who were torturing. That in itself is, a, is his own version of a, a gaslighting of a mental torture. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. And there's no expectation from those descendants to acknowledge on this day that the wrongs that allowed for this day to, make, to take place need to continuously be pointed out and that actions need to continuously be put in place to not allow them to happen again. There's no expectation of that from white people for this day. Juneteenth should be all about white people being like, this shit is fucked up. And this is how I, as an individual, am going to be a part of it not ever happening again. Juneteenth should be about people who are direct descendant of slave owners having to do some type of ceremonies on their land that are paying homage and regard and begging atonement to the enslaved folks who got them that fucking land. That's what Juneteenth should be for white people. Not a day off, paid or otherwise. And it really was just this this thing that was given that wasn't asked for. You know, like when your man cheats on you and then he gives you a purse. It's like, well, I didn't ask for a purse. I asked you to stop fucking other people. Like when I see those types of exchanges, I'm like, that person just did that to you so they could have get your appeasement to go do something else. And that's what we're watching right now. We were given this day and then there's like this appeasement while we watch all these other wild things happening that are completely contradictory of there being true acknowledgement of this day. It's just, it's maddening for me.
Now, you know, there's a lot of things about Juneteenth that people simply just don't know in regard to the way that it has been celebrated by folks long before the federal government decided to, you know, do a Facebook poke and be like, hey, what do you think about Juneteenth? So, for instance, um, I wore a red dress on the CNN Juneteenth celebration that went down at the Hollywood Bowl this weekend. I wore that red dress to introduce uh, Billy Porter. And I purposely wore a red dress because um, strawberry soda pop was once a popular drink associated with celebrating Juneteenth, as well as red velvet cake and uh, barbecue. But specifically, serving red foods is a traditional part of celebrating Juneteenth because it's a color that speaks to the symbol of ingenuity and resilience in bondage. And it's that color because it's the blood spilled. And so I wore that red dress in honor of that and in speaking to that. I personally feel like the memo should have been that everybody on that stage should have been wearing red. Uh, and, and I say that because as beautiful, the, the event was incredible. It was beautiful. I mean, I saw BBD and, and Earth, Wind & Fire in the same evening. I mean, ah, like I still haven't recovered. But I still want to make sure that as we are moving into these spaces where we are seeing things like Juneteenth uh, bubble up on a national scale, we cannot and we should make effort not to to disassociate from and to disregard the ways in which it has been being celebrated by the people who are closest to it, the people of Galveston, Texas, who have been having Juneteenth parades and celebrations forever. In the 1870s, former enslaved people pooled together $800 and purchased 10 acres of land, which they deemed Emancipation Park. Until the 1950s, it was the only public park and swimming pool in the Houston area that was open to African Americans, which was used to celebrate the first announcement of Juneteenth. So this... This is new for a lot of people, but it, it isn't. It's a, it's a part of the fabric of a community in Texas. And speaking of fabric, there's a whole Juneteenth flag, y'all. A lot of people don't know that. Whole Juneteenth flag. There's a Juneteenth flag of freedom. It is half red and half blue with a star in the middle. Each year, a Juneteenth flag raising ceremony is held in Galveston, Texas. The National Juneteenth Observance Foundation, NJOF, founded in 1994, recognizes the same colors found in the U.S. flag, red, white, and blue, showing that the former enslaved were and are Americans. It's the were part for me. It's the were part for me because, again, we must remember to not let the distance of time become distance from facts. And it's, it's what we are watching the right-wing conservative groups who are in support of, you know, the, the straw man of critical race theory, et cetera. It's what we're watching them attempt to do. What we're watching them attempt to do is to tell us that the history of America makes white people feel bad so it shouldn't be taught ignoring the fact that the history of America 
should make white people feel bad in order to not be repeated. When it says that there's a flag that holds the colors red, white, and blue because it is to show and signify that the former enslaved were and are Americans, it acknowledges the fact that even though black people were the bodies upon which this country was built, they were not considered citizens. Again, this brings us back to my point of the individual. You know, a lot of people didn't want to see the movie 12 Years a Slave because they felt like, oh, another slave narrative. And I completely understand that. But what 12 Years a Slave did to me, did for me that was unique. Um, and it's not to say other movies haven't done this and haven't done this well, but it did this for me in a particular way, is that it personalized the experience of slavery to this individual in a way that I feel like other movies have not been able to because there's so much in the conversation that has to be had that they can't, they, they can't just dig into this individual's experience or else it somehow um, undermines the entire scope of what's going on. But it's important because, again, we're not that far removed you know, like the clip of me checking Caitlyn Jenner had been circulating again. And to watch Caitlyn Jenner sit across from me and with no irony whatsoever say, I believe in this country, don't you? And then hear her scoff when I say, this country hasn't shown up for me the way it's shown up for you. <laughs> That's the sound she made. <laughs> like she was fucking Biggie Smalls. <laughs> and... That sound let me know that I was no longer speaking to somebody that even was, was even worth talking to. And I was not, at that point, I was now talking to the masses that were watching uh, because this is clearly somebody that is unable to grasp like basic concepts beyond their privilege, let alone the more complex um, nuances of the fact that there are different black people that experience all of white supremacy very differently. Nonetheless, um, I just... I just thought it was wild that this person, you know, could not conceptualize that this country has shown up for, for her differently, even in her transness. Just like such an easy transition. And I know people are like, it wasn't easy comparatively compared to the staggering number of black trans women that are murdered every year. Every year that are dead named, that are not given space within their community or any other community outside of the trans community. Yeah. Compared to that, Caitlyn Jenner transitioned and was honored as woman of the year. <laughs> I, I just, I'm still, I mean, and accepted it. Right. Because any like actual logical person would have been like, why the fuck would you give me woman of the year just because I transitioned? Do you know how many people have done this before me and are doing this right now under such incredibly duress and struggle, strenuous circumstances? Like I was a rich white man. Now I'm a rich white woman. Ta-da. So this person is here trying to say that this country has shown up for us the same way. Get the fuck out of here. There's an entire day that is now being put up on a pedestal to be celebrated that is literally acknowledging that an entire group of people are no longer going to be tortured under the law of slavery by the way they then had to just find new ways to continue to have a black labor force 
So even though the Emancipation Proclamation freed slaves, by the way, it didn't change the Constitution irrevocably. Like the fact that all of these amendments and whatnot come into the Constitution is because we were never a part of the Constitution. So they have to keep adding shit in to literally legitimize our life by law. So to see that and know that and to see all the efforts being made to not have this history taught while at the same time getting the day off, fuck you is how I feel about that. Juneteenth to me is a day of reverence. It's a day of peace. It's a day of deep ancestral sighing. Mm. It's a day of cleansing. It's a day of healing. You know, I talked about what I think white folks should be doing. I feel, you know, for black folks, Juneteenth uh, should, of course, be a day of continuing to gather and exalting and celebration of blackness in whichever way that shows up for you. So it can show up for you in meditation and in silence. It can show up for you in music and uh, reverie. I mean, there's a number of names for Jubilee that speak to this. Right? I mean, it's been celebrated under many names. Freedom Day, Jubilee Day, Cell Liberation Day, Second Independence Day, and Emancipation Day, just to name a few. But it's the Jubilee Day that sticks out to me because Jubilee is a word that is akin to jubilance. And we know jubilance to mean incredible joy and excitement and happiness. When I was at the event on Sunday, I was jubilant. I mean, my man was like, I just love getting to see you like that. When I tell you my man is literally like the horcrux of my mother, <laughs> like, I, feel, I really feel like about my Harry Potter fans, like my mom like put a piece of her and my man as a horcrux because there are so many times that he says things to me that I'm just like, are you in that seals? Because that was my mom's line all the time. She was like, you know, you were such an intense child. So like getting to see you just really enjoy yourself like really makes me feel good. So he was like, you know, getting to see you just like get to be around people that really love you and that you love and just the excitement. He was like, that was really dope. And I mean, I had an incredible day. First of all, the event was produced by Jesse Collins and Dion Harmon, who are my two very, very good friends. And Dion actually ran up while I was about to go on stage and had on a smart, funny and black sweatshirt. And I'm like, that's my nigga! But I got to meet people I hadn't met in person, but that I had met online. People like Mickey Guyton, people like Michelle Williams, like Billy Porter. You know what I'm saying? These are people that I had met online during this panini and are finally like able to like touch. What a beautiful like just time. Jordan Childs. Jordan Childs was right here on this podcast. Mickey Guyton was right here on this podcast. And then I got to like actually like physically touch them. People that I hadn't met before, but that have been in the same scope as me forever. Like Leslie, Leslie Jones, comedian Leslie Jones. Like we've been, we are like, I mean, it is, there's no six degrees of Kevin Bacon necessary. Like, I mean, I know we are one person away from each other in so many ways. And now we don't need one person away because now we have met and we have been able to have a laugh and dance together to BBD performing Poison live right in front of our faces. I got to reunite with Nico. Nico is the star of Star's show P-Valley and went to college with me and my partner, Devon. And he was a senior when we were freshmen. And when we came in, Nico was steering all of us on the right track, honey. And literally in that same vein, when I ran into him, when I saw him at the event yesterday, I mean, he poured into me and just filled me up. And 
just to look around and just see the jubilee that was taking place in those stands, you know, it was really, truly um, just beautiful to experience, beautiful to experience. But I feel like the next part of that is also like taking that jubilee and also like connecting that to the healing of the ancestral trauma we carry from the people who, you know, lived and died for this day to even take place. And some might say, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to align myself with that because I don't want to, you know, I keep hearing these coons talk about like, I'm not assigning myself to victimhood and the, 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 the misnomer and the actual gaslighting about that is one, these are black people who are completely being misled and who have, you know, for whatever reason, um, been completely disenchanted with the truth of, of, of their blackness and are also now uh, spewing the actual lies of their oppressor. Um, but ultimately what they, what they fail to understand is that it is not about being a victim in America as black people. We are not making a choice to be a victim. What we are doing is making a choice to hold accountable the actual aggressors that continue to create support and fortify systems that keep us in a lower place of existence. And that even when some of us are able to attain even something like what our oppressor has in terms of access or status, it still is always attached to, yeah, but it's always attached to, yeah, but always. It's never equal. I don't care who you are. OJ learned that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we look at this, this day of Juneteenth, it has a lot of levels, okay? A lot of levels. We must also remember that, like, again, after Juneteenth, it wasn't like shit was just sweet, like, ta-da. And because there was no effort made by this country to actually, as a culture make a reversion from the the mindsets of what caused slavery to even be able to exist for 400 some odd years, there was a just continuance in masked and, you know, shadowed ways. Now, the period after Juneteenth is known as the scatter. And in the following weeks, formally, in the following weeks from Juneteenth, formerly enslaved people left Texas in massive numbers to find family members and make their way in the postbellum United States. And, you know, when we talk about the great um, migration, which was just the amount of black folks that left the South, that's why you have such a black presence in Chicago that still has like a Southern element to it. That's why you have such a black presence in the Midwest in general that still has like a Southern element to it. Because those people, you know, they didn't step down from Canada. Those people came from the South in great numbers to build lives for themselves. And we also just forget, and it's like something I'm thinking about in this very moment, like we just also forget like, some of y'all are having trouble getting into a new relationship just because of the trauma of the past relationship. Imagine stepping into a new life on the heels of having been tortured for the duration of your life. How do you even start? Do you understand where we come from? Like, that's just beyond 
It's like, how do you even start? It is, I look at Palestine and I just say, how, how long is this going to go on? And what does life look like on the other side of this for the people who have been in generations of this? How does that then start to turn around? When Rwanda's genocide took place, on the heels of it, there were a number of nonprofit and just on-the-ground organizations that decided that the only way to find healing within the country was to actually try to bring Houthi and Tutsus together who had, in many cases, been linked by the murder of family members. And I remember watching a documentary about this and it was just heart-wrenching, naturally. But it was like, if we don't figure out how to get past this and how to not get over it, okay? I don't even want to say get past this. It's more like if we don't figure out how to get through this as a part of our troubled past, we can't find a way to make a beautiful future. This country has never done that. It's never done any version of that. And, um, you know, I, I bring up Palestine and Israel because, you know, a lot of people don't understand that, like, that, that plot of land held Arab and, I mean, held Muslim and Jewish believers and the like in the same space and time. It was, it was other factions that came in and disrupted that in a different way. Um, there had been a semblance of understanding of these two groups because by nature of them being there that whole time. And it's not to say that everyone got along all the time because that's just humans, but it was like, this is a shared space. We live in America in a shared space and it really institutionally and systemically does not operate that way. Now, don't get me wrong. There are communities that have had to get past this and have had to identify this and, and for themselves make for a better future and presence. But then when we look at like Sanford, Florida, where we see how a 16 year old black boy is driving through a community in Sanford, Florida, the same Sanford, Florida, where Trayvon Martin's life was taken by fucking George Zimmerman. And this black child is driving through this neighborhood and white men throw a bottle and break his car window they then start beating on his car. A white woman is videotaping him saying, you don't belong here. Get out. You don't belong in this neighborhood. I mean, and it is exactly what we have seen when we see these newsreel footage of Ruby Bridgers and of, you know, the Little Rock Nine. And, you know, we are constantly having to see footage of the, the Children's March in Birmingham and how white factions were just snarling like, like hungry dogs in order to just disparage and, and harm black people for simply wanting to learn. It wasn't even like they want to live with you. And then when it became, well, we want to be able to have access to the same living situation, it's like, well, you don't get to live with us. So when we see that still going on, it's like, well, this is, this is not, this is able to go on because there's no, there's, there's no, there's not enough of a groundswell to say that it needs to stop. And that's why when we do this episode of Juneteenth, it's just for me to remind y'all that on one hand, yes, we deserve 
to celebrate Juneteenth because we deserve to have a day honoring those who got us here. But in the way that it is being regarded and observed by corporations and by this country, I don't believe that it is doing that. I don't believe that Walmart putting out an ice cream or putting out, you know, beer coolers that say it's the freedom for me acknowledge that the reason why there was a necessity for freedom is because there's an entire system and an entire group of people and nation and global understanding of people that say that these people don't deserve freedom. And now we are supposed to celebrate that they have decided we do. No, that's how this looks like it's being celebrated. And I won't celebrate it in that way. I won't celebrate it in that way. Some ways that people celebrate, they, they bring Marcus Garvey into the conversation. Marcus Garvey, of course, you know, the UNIAA wanted to bring folks back to Liberia, you know, get black folks out of this country. Um, had the Black Star Fleet, right? All these boats was going to get folks across the water. Guess what they did? They deported Marcus Garvey because he was Jamaican and he was leading the people. Mm-hmm. So people serve up Marcus Garvey salad with red, green, and black beans. A lot of people don't understand that the red, green, and black Pan-African flag was the flag of the UNIAA. That's why it's always bugged out to me, by the way, when I hear people who are black American, uh, people who identify as ADOs. There's a group of people that identify as ADOs who also, which is uh, American descendants of slavery, but who also simultaneously feel that anybody who is of any other um, Pan-African descent should not be a part of the story of blackness in America. And to, you know, to, to be honest, that's just slavery diasporically brings us together. So even if you want to identify and say that there's, you know, specifically people who were the descendants of American slaves, the truth is, is that slavery as a money-making venture was funding countries before America even existed as America. So if you were in a, if you were you know a slave in this country before 1776, you were funding England or Portugal or whatever place brought you over here. I mean, they were peddling us as if we were wares. So there were conversations and people are being moved from one country to the other and shipped along. And then they brought in Haitian people to fight in wars. Listen, listen, it's treacherous what's gone on. It's treacherous. And Marcus Garvey was very much about wanting to empower black folks to feel like they don't need to stay here in a land that does not regard them and does not protect them and does not honor them. And that we should leave and go somewhere where we would be able to establish our own communities and our own livelihoods for ourselves. The unfortunate part about that, though, is that many people say that when, you know, Liberia as a nation was established, it was still established under a caste system that very similarly mimicked the oppressive, um, that very similarly mimicked the oppressive frameworks that black people existed in, in America. So it, it, I've heard people say that the problem with Liberia and its inability to continue, it's, it's, it's consistent inability to get stability is that it, it did not identify its own framework. It used the tools of the oppressor in, a, in a, an effort oppressing its, themselves. Rodeos have also become a part of the, that's a, that's a segue, Liberia to rodeos. 
Rodeos have also become a part of the tradition in the Southwest, while contests, concerts, parades are a common theme across the Juneteenth diaspora of celebration. There's Miss Juneteenth contests, um, like Miss Juneteenth Nevada and (laughs) Miss Jubilee. As with anything involving black folks, it is complex. You know, we look at the state of Texas and it's just like, I mean, they literally had to send Major General Gordon Granger to Texas to tell the slaves they were free because overseers and um, owners in Texas were not complying. And we continue to see that. And, and Texas, they, they really like live by that, that they don't comply to like these federal laws. So I wanted to do this episode because I just wanted to continue to keep our consciousness And that's really what Small Dose is. That's really what this podcast is about. Like, even though we've been doing a lot of interviews, and I just want to say for a moment, too, I've had people saying, like, oh, you know, I really wish, you know, you would get back to doing doing some more solo episodes. And I, I am, I'm going to do that. But to be honest, I had to really take a break because this pandemic was affecting me in ways that I hadn't really realized. But also, it's like, I just wasn't out the house. Like, I just wasn't in a place where my brain could could continue to to give the way that I give when I do these solo episodes. And when I was out this weekend, because I also on Saturday got to go to an event for Holly Robinson Pete and her husband. They do an autism and Parkinson's event called Design Care every year. And so it was a beautiful event, again, with an incredible um, message, but then an incredible group of black folks. I got to, I got to meet Miss, Miss Tina Lawson, you know, Mama Tina. So it's, it's always funny when, <laughs> I mean, shit, Beyonce's mom is asking me for a selfie. I'm like, what is life? Uh, the irony. I'm just how crazy that is, is, is the comedian in me just has to laugh. But I got to interact with folks in a way that continues to just make my brain keep sparking new thoughts and new ideas. And that's what going on tour is going to do as well. And I'm excited to be able to do that with y'all. I'm excited to be able to interact and laugh and come back to this mic with other experiences and concepts to challenge us with because that's what's going to keep us going we got to remain curious you know we got to remain thoughtful we got to remain vigilant um in our quest for actual liberation and peace and all the above but i appreciate you all i hope everyone celebrated juneteenth the way that they should (laughs) No, I've, I hope that everyone got a better understanding of what Juneteenth is really about from this episode so that moving forward, you can choose to properly acknowledge and to, of course, don't believe the hype. A podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.